0: Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. One of Hawai'i's most creative and influential artists and cultural educators will be featured on U.S. Coins next year. Auntie edith Kanaka'ole was the right person at the right time to help propel Native Hawaiian language, arts, and culture revitalization. We'll hear from those who knew her and who carry on her teachings about why she was so special and discuss her passion for traditional Hawaiian culture. That's coming up right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Alaska State Senate recently passed its version of a bill that would clear the way for the state and tribes to begin work on education compacting. The legislation will now head to the House. Several tribes and Alaska's largest Native organization are backing the bill. KYUK's Olivia Eberts reports.
2: The bill, SB 34, was originally written to allow the State Department of Education and Early Development to allow a series of tribal-compacted pilot project schools. Under this version, the schools would have opened as soon as the fall of 2023. The Senate Education Committee substituted it with another bill that gives the Education Department and tribes more time to flesh out what the five pilot projects will look like. Then the Department of Education will present its final plans to the next legislature. Education Department tribal liaison Joel Isaac says this extra time is critical for the tribes to plan the schools they want.
1: The immediate effect is the time to scope, the time to come up with a plan, and it brings tribes directly into that
2: process. The five pilot project schools could open as soon as fall 2025. In tribal education compacting, tribes can tailor their students' education to their own needs, which they hope could rectify the low rates of graduation and attendance in Alaska Natives. Tribal education compacting in Alaska is based on the success of tribal compacted schools in Washington state. The Senate passed SB 34 with only one nay vote from Eagle River Senator Laura Reinbold. We need to know exactly what the tribe is and what they stand for, who's allowed to be in, etc. Reinbold said she opposed it on the grounds that she doesn't understand how tribes get their members. The Senate bill will now head to the State House, where it will meet up with its House counterpart. Both the Alaska Federation of Natives and the Department of Education support the Senate's version of the bill. For National Native News, I'm Olivia Eberts. For the
1: first time in two years, student staff and the public took part in the University of Kansas First Nations Student Association's Pow Wow and Indigenous Cultures Festival. It was held Saturday in Lawrence. People were eager to celebrate after the annual event was put on hold due to the pandemic. Rhonda Lovaldo has more.
3: Hundreds of people came to experience the KU First Nations Student Association or FENSA Pow Wow and Festival. It had many activities beyond the powwow, including lectures, storytelling, and cultural demonstrations. Lori Hasselman, Native American Student Success Coordinator, says they are hearing great comments. I think we're really excited and
4: really pleased with how everything has gone so far.
3: One of the panels included Kansas Congresswoman Cherise Davids Ho-Chunk talking about her children's book, Cherise's Big Voice, and how she wanted all people to feel included in her writing as not only one of the first Native American women elected to Congress, but the first openly LGBTQ congressperson to represent Kansas in Washington.
5: There are so many different ways um, to, to
1: exist, and they're all OK. Uh, and there's not one right way to do uh,
3: life. One special guest included director of KU basketball operations Fred Kordelbaum, who brought the 2022 Men's NCAA National Basketball Trophy to the powwow, which thrilled many fans. This is Rhonda Lovaldo for National Native News.
1: Sea Alaska Heritage Institute is hosting a lecture this week on Native identity and blood quantum. The talk will examine how Native people are identified, biological, cultural, and legal, and the ways blood quantum determines membership in tribes and governmental benefits. The Tuesday afternoon lecture will be streamed online by Sea Alaska. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
6: National Native News is produced by Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Gathering of Nations Powwow, a live event taking place April 29th and 30th on the Powwow Grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, trader's market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at gatheringofnations.com and at the gates. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.
0: This is Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Edith Ole was an acclaimed Kanaka Maoli, or Native Hawaiian, composer, chanter, hula dancer, and educator. Her work in Hawaiian culture and language revitalization helped strengthen indigenous Hawaiian identity and sovereignty at a time in the 1970s known as the Hawaiian Renaissance. As an educator and a person who believed in the power of education, Kanaka Ole pushed to include Hawaiian language, culture, science, and history in schools and in the state's universities. She died in 1979, but her teachings are alive today in Hawaiian classrooms and in a large network of family who continue her educational work. Edith Kanaka Ole will be celebrated on U.S. quarter coins in 2023 as part of the U.S. Mint's American Women Quarters Program. Auntie Edith Ole's legacy is also being celebrated right here on Native America Calling today. Join us with questions and comments at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99NATIVE as we celebrate the legacy of Edith Ole. Joining us now from Hilo on Hawaii Island is Nalani Garman. She is the vice president of Edith Kanaka Ole's foundation and a grandchild of Edith Kanaka Ole. She's Kanaka Maoli. Welcome to Native America Calling, Nalani. Aloha. Mahalo. Thank you for
4: having
0: us. Joining us from Hana in Maui, Hawaii is Kaui Kanaka Ole. She's a granddaughter as well of Edith Kanaka Ole and the director of Ala Kakui Hana Retreat. She is Kanaka Maoli. Welcome to the show as well, Kaui.
7: Aloha, good morning.
0: Thank you for having us. And joining us from Hilo on Hawaii Island is Haunani Joaquin. She's a granddaughter of Edith Kanaka Ole and she's the secretary for the Edith Kanaka Ole Foundation. She's also Kanaka Welcome to Native America Calling, Haunani.
8: Aloha, good morning.
0: Aloha to you all and thank you again for being on the show today. Nalani, I'd like to start with you. This quarter coin so exciting coming out in twenty twenty three. Congratulations to your whole family. How did you folks get the news that your grandmother was being selected for such a great honor?
4: Sheet, I didn't even bother to ask if I was kind of allowed to tell this story, but um, we got the we got an email for my cousin, the executive director got an email. We kinda of thought it was a scam at first. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. Then um then they followed up and they were like, wow, this is for real. And um, you know, really exciting to um there are there are myriad women in Hawaii history, even recent Hawaii history, who have done so much for Talahui, for education, for um Ike Hawaii, um but, Hawaiian knowledge, um, and to have our grandmother singled out, um, and, and chosen, um, this is quite an honor actually.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I I can't, a scam. And I would imagine with just so many scams going on nowadays and just weird emails and things like that. So, um, you do you you have people contact you often with questions about your grandmother or just different pieces of information like that?
4: Yeah, we do. We get quite quite a bit. Well, especially now um, we're getting a lot of questions and requests for interviews. Um, We still get people who request to speak with her when they call the foundation, which is kind of different. Um, but yeah we do we get a lot of uh, a lot of questions especially as she's n- starting to be known on uh, a more global level
0: mhm now do you know who the artist is going to be that will will create that image on the coin of your grandmother
4: um i'm not sure i how many might know or you might know um there's a couple of the other cousins who are on that particular um committee are not in this um interview, but Hounani might know
0: okay Hounani, do you know
4: who the artist is
0: <clears throat> yeah
8: um i no I don't know who the artist is i know that um my cousin kuhao has um put in um a lot of um You know, he's a graphic designer, and um, he has, you know, talked with the artist about a coin. and um, But I'm not sure what the artist's name is. I'm so sorry.
0: Oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. Nalani, if you could um, share some memories of your grandmother. What do you remember about her?
4: Oh, well... I kinda I, I feel like she really wasn't unlike most everyone else's grandma if you were raised as a native um in a well we have Hawaiian homes which is not quite it, it's similar to like reservations but it's it's not the same thing. Um but if you were raised by, you know, your grandmother in the seventies, sixties and seventies, it's pretty much the same thing. She was, um kind of larger than life and at the same time still just your grandmother who you're going to follow her rules. She has rules. You're going to follow them. Um, she was, it, it was important to her that she share what she knows with us. And so she did in big and small ways, um, If even if it was just to wake up one or two of us early in the morning to go to the ocean and gather um, sustenance like uh, seaweed or, or, or fish or limpets. I'm trying to think of the English words. I'm sorry. I'm oh, <laughs> okay. As we, as we talk, okay. I'm trying to think of the English words. Um, so even if it was that or just playing music with her, um, all of those things were a part of, of daily life with her and she always had violets in her purse and she always smelled like baby powder and um she was just you know she was a great a, a really great person to be around i i don't know i've never heard her speak ill of anyone and um you know she was just sweet
0: well, I would rather hear you use those Indigenous words for these foods that you would gather, as opposed to the the English words. So no worries, I lo- love those Indigenous words. Nalani, how old were you then um, when you were, be- about this time when you were spending a, a lot of time with your grandmother?
4: Um, well, I came over um, and lived with her and my cousins and my aunties, and oh, I was about five years old. <laughs> And um, so we came over from, well, I came over from the mainland. Um, my parents lived on the mainland, and I came over first as the rest of my family was trying to make their way over, because large family. And so it was kind of like a boom immersion. You, know, you go from, it's, life in the mainland is very, very different from life at at um, at the kai, at the ocean in Kiokaha. And so, yeah, I was about five when I came over and was immersed into that with her and my cousins. And we were all... The other thing that was really important to my grandparents, not you know, my... and our parents, is that we are raised together. The The cousins. Mm-hmm. The way that they were raised with their cousins. So we're all very we're more like siblings the cousins and our children are are the same way with each other
0: wonderful Kawi. how about you what what was your relationship like with your grandmother
7: so um as opposed to nalani and haunani i'm much younger so
5: <laughs>
7: so <laughs> i was only 4 actually when she passed away and I have very little memory of her. I have actually one very um, bright memory of her and that is sitting on her lap and um, she's on this big kind of papasan chair in my auntie's living room and um, sitting on her lap and her going through her black purse and looking for her violets, like Nalani mentioned, um, the violet candy and giving me one. And that is that memory of her is sitting on her lap and eating a candy and her smelling of baby powder and just that warmth feeling. Um, So my experience um, of my grandmother came through stories, came through stories from my family, from my siblings, from my father, my aunties but also a lot of stories from the public. Um, people's experiences with her through her classes, her workshops, through Hula, that's how I got to know her, um, which is, which is um, pretty special. Like how Nalani was saying, she was larger than life. That experience of getting to know her because I was so young through other people's lens, made
0: her larger-than-life for me. Well, Kawi, okay, that um, that memory you share of, of sitting on your grandmother's lap and, and eating the candy, <laughs> that actually sounds like a scene from a movie. It just, it's so beautiful and just so, like, personal. That's just really, really fascinating. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Listeners, we are talking today about the legacy of Edith Kanaka Ole great Hawaiian educator, hula teacher, and many other exceptional traits and abilities. And if you have a question or a comment for any of our guests, please give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. Or you connect with us online at NativeAmericaCalling.com. I'm your host, Sean Spruce, and we're gonna be back right after a short break.
5: Hi, opele i Hawaii. I o say her no
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We are celebrating the legacy of Edith Kanaka Ole today. She's an important figure in the Native Hawaiian culture and language revitalization movement of the 1970s. And please join the conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848 to get your comments on the air. Kau'i, this uh, revitalization movement from the 1970s that your grandmother was a big part of. Can you tell us more about what was going on in Hawaii at the time that she was pushing to have Hawaii culture, language and history taught in schools?
7: Um, I think it was definitely a time of um, realization that, um, you know, we were coming out of um, state, not just coming out of statehood, but that, the fog I think (laughs) the fog of statehood and um and really coming into knowing or um embracing uh, again who we were as people as native people and our different uh cultural practices getting back into those different things and um You know, hula was a big part of a cultural practice that continued throughout throughout those years. But um, I feel like it was more looked at as a form of entertainment rather than um, a practice. And so this time period of the 70s helped to kind of ground people and um, reconnect people to place, reconnect. Um, Native people to their past, to their kupuna, Um, and she was a big part of making those connections for people. And I think, you know, her having that grandmother um, role or that grandmother presence was what really helped people or invited people in. And made it <clears throat> made it much more um, tenable and and inviting
0: Mm-hmm. and this whole uh, language revitalization effort that she was such a big part of was um was there much of that going on before for your grandmother started doing that work?
7: No, no, there wasn't much of it going on um, and especially you know in schools. She started, um, she started the Kupuna program in the, the public school system, which had to do with, um, grand, you know, people like her, grand, grandmothers and, and grandfathers of that age going back into the schools and having that role, you know, in a family unit, you look up to your grandparents and, um, and you respect them. So having that role in the classroom um bringing that into the classroom and having them share stories, share cultural songs and dances um, was very instrumental in um, getting the younger generation of that time to to sing and to be more familiar with those stories um, of place and of our people and she helped to to do that.
0: Interesting, Honani. Your grandmother was involved with so many significant cultural programs and efforts—the the dancing, the language revitalization, the education, the history. Um, but her her music career perhaps is is what she's most famous for. Very influential. Honani, can you tell us more about her her singing?
8: You know, she was <clears throat> she was everyone's auntie. But she was our grandma, so she, her second record that she put out, the um, the Hii Poi Ka'ina Aloha record, um, which is uh, her singing, um, was pretty great. I think um, it w- it made a great impact on the place that she um, was from um where we grew up and um her music really i guess it resounded you know across hawaii and you would hear other um musicians you know remix the song and um i think people just loved she her voice was just beautiful she had a beautiful voice very kind
0: she certainly did. And let's go ahead and hear her voice. Uh, we're going to go play a song from Mrs. Kanako It's one of her most well known songs. Let's go ahead and cue it up now. <laughs>
5: El pakako kahakai mu kamea no italini pahe in nahoi kaliw elim ho annaho'i a ekipa my kakko wa sao Kokako ay nakakariya kakela o kalyu na kumya kaulu vehi o kaino.
0: pretty hard to feel glum on a Monday morning after listening to a song like that. Haunani, tell us more about this beautiful song.
8: Um, So grandma is singing about uh, the different types of limu, limu, lipoa, limu, kohu, and um, you know, which is her favorite. And she would wake up early in the morning to go down to the kai or the ocean and <clears throat> pick limu, um, how the limu sways in the glistening sun and the waves and it's saying here I am and come and pick me and um, she would um, pick the limus and bring it home and prepare it and it would be so ono that she would say "Hey, ono mauli no. <laughs> So as you know you were playing the song, you know i i'm I'm sure besides myself and my sister Kaui and my cousin Nalani, were like in our heads dancing the hula, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm visioning your your grandmother living right there near the ocean and just living this awesome traditional lifestyle, but yet at the same time she traveled um throughout North America performing um doing presentations and speeches. So, um, wow, just such a such a remarkable life. What what was that like with her with her traveling and and just being such a a widely known figure?
8: You know, it's, it's such an honor to like. See all these photos of where she went and, you know, people that she encountered. And I guess being from that time um 70s 80s that uh I think it was like I said she was everyone's auntie but she was just our grandma and we didn't look at her as bigger than life was and but she was because she was grandma um there are a lot of people that um sometimes we meet and they're like oh this is your grandma and i I remember seeing her at a performance in um, america or in um in the polynesians or like she she traveled wide just to spread you know what we have and i think um our culture pretty much is you know the same as native americans Um, you know, in, in similarities, we have similarities, a lot of similarities. Yes. Yes. And, um, I think that was, that was important to share wide
7: world, actually. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Those similarities are, are so, so cool. And Lonnie, um, Aunani just talked a little bit about hula, and I know that um, that was also an area that your grandmother was very influential in, Nalani, was in the hula. Can you talk more about that?
4: Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> gra- luckily, luckily for us, lucky for culture, period, um, grandma's mother, Mary Kekwewa um uh, uh, came from a, a hula line. She was a hula kapu. Um, she practiced hula kapu, which, which meant that they did not give up their hula if there was no break in their hula lineage line. Um, even during the time when Hawaiians were supposed to, were ex- expected to, as as most of your listeners know and and can can completely understand. Um, natives are meant to put away their nativeness and do something else, colonial. Uh, but our grandmother's family did not put it away; they continued to practice. Luckily for us. Um, because, you know, as I said earlier, grandma, it was important to her to share what they know, which was not, that was one of the things that was not um, openly accepted as the revitalization was making its second resurgence, you know, in the 70s, um, because, because there was still that feeling of, we're going to get in trouble if we do these things openly. Yeah. So there are still some practices that were kept underground. Um, they've been coming out slowly over the decades, but Grandma wasn't like that. She shared what she knew and luckily for us, she did because in the hula, in the mele, the songs, in the in the oli, are chants, um, that's all our information you can learn almost anything from the mele from the songs from the dances um including what kind of limu are in what area of what island what um what kind of fish are in near the sea or uh, near the reef um or in this particular area um what kind of what kind of um vegetation belongs to is the manifestation of what gods and goddesses um so because she did not leave that aside and only and only continue it as a form of entertainment um we were afforded that knowledge to carry on to and to build upon and to continue to share. Don't get me wrong, though, Grandma was still all about that, um, you know, that entertainment hula as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's interesting that, that separation between the two, the, the very deep traditional aspect of hula and then the more commercialized one. And, and what you're really sharing with us today, Nalani, is that these songs were actually a way to document oral history. If, you know, the, the, the types of foods and and so much of, of this history was was able to be documented in that way through those songs. And the fact that they didn't have that break in the lineage like other um, communities did is, is just even more astounding. Listeners, please give us a call with a question or a comment. A fascinating discussion today. Hawaiian history and culture. 1-800-996-2848. We do have to take a short break, but we're going to be right back in just a minute.
6: If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, StrongHeart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE. Or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Strong Hearts Native Helpline. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're learning
0: about Native Hawaiian cultural renaissance by taking a look at the life and legacy of Edith Kanaka Ole. Are you familiar with her work as a Hawaiian educator? Still time to join the conversation? that's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Kawi, we've been talking so much about hula, about the songs that your grandmother sang, language revitalizations, but I also don't wanna overlook um, her role as an educator and the fact that she became a teacher at Hawaii Community College and then also at the University of Hawaii. Kawi, can you tell us more about the courses she created?
7: Yeah, um, so she was um, one of the first to start um, an actual program um, at the university, at the college level um, in Hawaiian studies, uh, which was pretty much non-existent before that. So being able to go to college and take classes on culture and language um, you know, just just didn't happen. And so I think what was amazing for me is that she, number one, didn't have a college education, um, didn't even have a high school diploma. And um, so her knowledge um, of culture was, you know, was from experience, was from her upbringing, from who she was, and her... I think her confidence and her courage uh, in her ability to uh, articulate the knowledge that she held, um, the practices that she grew up with, and put those things into a curriculum, to me is amazing that she was able to do that um, and have that fortitude um, in her older age, you know, and when usually when you know, grandmas and grandpas retire or they're you know just watching kids uh she was out she was um as we like to you know as as her name um her name kekuikui uh exhibits she pointed the way forward um she was one who pushed herself and in turn pushed others um, to really go after and create things for yourself that if it wasn't there create it and um, education was the way to do it and that's I think the most important thing she instilled in not only our family but in everyone that she came around or touched that Education, educating yourself, and sharing that knowledge with others, is the key. <clears throat> and so, I think knowing her background and knowing the things she accomplished, is what I am most, most um, humbled and proud of.
0: Now. Kaui, that influence and, and that leadership that she displayed, um, you know, having this curriculum created, uh, Native Hawaiian studies at the university level, is that influence still felt today at, at the universities there in Hawaii for people that take those kind of courses and, and learn more about indigenous studies there in Hawaii?
7: Yeah, yes, yeah, most definitely. It is, uh, it's you know, it's built, it's stronger. Um, there are <clears throat> her students. Some of her students are still in you know our professors teaching, um, or some of her students are, you know kumu hula um, and have their own groups of of students learning hula. Um, so I think the you know that beginning that she started way back in the um sixties and seventies has, has grown uh, um into such a strong program for Hawaii and for Hawaiian culture and our Lahui to stand upon today in twenty twenty two and and um you know it's people I think the younger generation doesn't even think about the fact that this kind of program, this robust uh university degree and you can get a bachelor's you can get a master's you can get a phd um in hawaiian cultural studies didn't even exist during her time and she was one of those people who helped to start start that which is amazing yeah
0: yeah it is it really is just astounding and um honani i also don't want to overlook um traditional foods, uh, and it's actually pretty close to the lunch hour here where I am. I know it's a little bit earlier there uh, on the islands where you are, but but I am interested in learning more about um, what kinds of things your grandmother taught people about traditional foods, because I know, Honani, that that was a big part of her teaching as well, wasn't it?
8: Well, um, I remember uh, when we were younger, and <clears throat> she, the best thing that um, everyone would ask her to make for luau's or you know for parties was ake and ake is liver so she will be up till from the early morning you know not the sun didn't even rise yet cutting the ake cutting the skin off like precise and cutting it up into little pieces and then she would cook um, kukui nuts and um, roast it in the oven and she would mix it together and prepare that for um, people's uh, parties. Um, And I think um, her, because she was, uh, she taught um, botany and plants So um, that was one of her things that she, you know, loved to do or loved to teach with the limu, um, you know, making liver, um, making connections, because this is important for Hawaiians to know where your food comes from and how to prepare your food, um, as it is with other natives. And she had patience for those things that um, she taught others. Um, women, that was her age, and, you know, they would, like, sit around the table and and prepare these things for parties, and it was amazing to make connections um, and teach other people how to do these things. I think mm-hmm. that was, f- I mean, food is very important to us and how you do it with a yeah. good mind, you know, a clear mind and, um, you know, talk about what's happening in the community or, yeah, uh, that was, that was really nice of, it's a, one of the memories that I have of her doing things like that.
0: Thank you again. Um, so, so many wonderful memories that, that all of you ladies are sharing today. We really do appreciate it. And Nalani, your grandmother's legacy lives on through the Edith Kanaka-Ole Foundation. So please tell us more about the foundation.
4: Uh, well, we are a um, nonprofit. Um, we uh, Our parents put the foundation together shortly after our grandfather passed away um, because our parents saw that normally under normal circumstances when when your patriarch and your matriarch are gone, then families tend to drift. And they wanted to make sure that we always had a connecting source and um purpose for us to all be together and move forward with Hawaiian education in all its aspects. So it um so we it, it was started then we started really humbly and very small with, um, you know, workshops for particular smaller organizations, those who wanted to, um, we really focused on, um, I would say, ritual, the uh, how to clear your mind when you're when you're getting together for a workshop or when you're coming together as a group, those kind of rituals, how to bring your your group together. We started very, very small, still included the halal. Um, now we have various um, work sites. Uh, we have uh, fish pond, which is uh, aquaculture, Native Hawaiian fish ponds. We have different Aina-based sites, land-based sites. We have a preschool um, and, of course, the Halal and um, other venues of education and art. So, you know, we're not just oh traditional, traditional, um, you know, it's art as well. Um, and just various avenues of education.
0: So... Nalani, you mentioned workshops, these traditional practices, aquaculture, even at preschool. Um, There are scholarships, too, as well. Don't you grant scholarships every year?
4: Yes, we do. We do give scholarships out for higher education. Um, I believe we do at least two, sometimes more. It just kind of depends where we are in our uh, fundraising for the year, but we do give out um so that our youth can continue with their education.
0: Now where can our listeners go to learn more about the foundation?
4: Oh definitely Edith Kanakoole Foundation. Um that's the best place or dot dot com dot org dot com, I think. Let me
0: look it
4: up real quick. <laughs>
0: Well, while you're doing that, I, I wanna um, ask Kawi, and again, I'm just so intrigued by this coin and, and I <laughs> I can't get over the fact that Nalani thought that it might have been a scam when when you folks were first contacted about this um this proposal to create the, the quarter coin. So Kawi, I, I wanna ask you when you get that when you get your hands on the very first, your very first quarter with your grandmother on it, what are you gonna do with that first coin?
7: Oh, that's a good question. Um you know, I'm I'm gonna buy a, you know, like hundred dollars worth at least. <laughs> <laughs> I already yeah. I already created my account on the mint website, you know, you create your account and um then they send you newsletters. I already looked all of that up. Uh it also um I learned about the different um the different places that they print the um the different mints in the, across the u.s there's one in denver there's i think one in philadelphia anyways um you know i'll definitely make sure uh my kids have and and i'll keep it um in a case somewhere in my house
0: yeah keep <laughs> it not, safe we're for not sure spending it
7: <laughs> we're no. not spending
0: it. <laughs> and definitely load up while you can, because my guess is they'll go quickly and, you know, they have limited, limited minting of those coins. So probably only for about a year or so will they be available and then that'll be it. So definitely yeah. want to stock up. Nalani, um, did you look up, did you find the information you were looking for?
4: Nalani? Yes. It is And
0: so it. we have
4: oh. all of our various projects, and um, well, even the press release about the U.S. quarter designation.
0: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. How, Nani? How about you? What are you going to do with your first coin?
5: <laughs>
8: I'll probably, um, you know, because it's it's uh, put in a packet. So I went online and went to look, and you know, we'll just reserve it for the grandchildren and so on and so forth, and put it on the shelf and show it off
0: <laughs> now they're they're in Hawaii amongst um, the general Native Hawaiian community are, are people excited are they talking about the coin coming out
8: you know that was that was uh, yesterday um, I went to lunch with um, my uh, auntie Pua our auntie Pua and um, auntie Edith which is grandma's two daughters and so we were sitting having lunch and um people were coming up to us, which you know, I forgot all about the mint in grandma's quarter coming out. So they there were like four people that came up to the table and said, Oh, congratulations, you know, telling my aunties, congratulations and so I looked at my auntie poor and I said, Congratulations for she's like, I guess the quarter. I'm like, Oh yeah. So, you know, (laughs) it wasn't something that, you know, I keep in mind, but people were coming up and saying such an honor, your mother on the coin, and I was like, wow. Yeah, this is real. Like I'm sitting there with people coming up to congratulate my aunties about it. That That was great.
0: Well, again, congratulations. So happy for you and your family. Uh, your sister and cousin that are on the show as well. And uh, Kawi, I want to give you the last word. Anything else you want to share about your grandmother before we have to wrap up the show?
7: Um, I think just to kind of um, let everybody know that she was um, definitely an interesting woman of her time. She was able to. Um, push forward many things that um, today we probably take for granted uh, that we do automatically as, as Native Hawaiians. Um, but also, she was able to kind of walk the line and be in two different places at the same time, you know, as a Native Hawaiian woman, um, but also as a modern woman looking forward um, in many different um avenues, many different venues of life um, that she was able to bring that foundation and that culture that she grew up with into those spaces that maybe didn't have that information or that knowledge. And so um, definitely a Renaissance woman. And um, I think we are all her grandchildren and great-grandchildren are so proud and, uh, you know, humbled, uh, but also tasked with continuing.
0: Sure. I want to thank Nelani Garman, Kawi Ole, and Haunani Joaquin for sharing memories and teachings of their grandmother in celebration of the lasting legacy of Edith Kanaka'ole. Join us tomorrow for a timely discussion about recent bids to free Leonard Peltier. I'm Sean Spruce.
3: Are you Native American with a disability and feel you have not been able to access services for you or a loved one? The Native American Disability Law Center can help. The Native American Disability Law Center is a not-for-profit 501c3, and there is no charge for this help. More info at 800-862-7271 or nativedisabilitylaw.org. Who support this show?
4: CMS program. Ikayur Minarasi, Ikayur Sarasi diabetic tune, Nunakitinit or see. I let you Minar to see. Contact Lua local Indian health care provider. Kha see Tour Lua healthcare.gov, Naka Akila Lua, one eight hundred three one eight two five nine six, Unakai Lunis Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service.